I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Buchanan, how good would it be to hear that deafening silence at 5 to 6 on Sunday in the Etihad and know that this time there's actually a reason for it? <laughs> This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Leeds United fans, where are you? Where have you gone? You've gone quiet. Tyro Mings is waiting. He is free and he is expecting your call. To give this man an apology, your saviour, bow down before Tyrone Mings. Forget about Patrick Bamford, forget about Calvin Phillips, forget about Marcelo Bielsa. Tyrone Mings is the most important thing to happen in the history of Leeds United Football Club. <laughs> what, like, what, what a block. Like, what I love most about this, it was an amazing block, the way he read it, the way he got across the... Tyrone Ming spreads himself like a spider sometimes. It's really it's really class to see in, in, in full flow. But Jesus, the celebrations of everybody. Martinez Cash, they fucking loved it. And I love seeing that until I remembered we're drawn again, 1-1. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we're seeing out the season with two points from two games at Homely Palace and Burnley. Not so good. Love that passion. Love the desire to, to not lose to Burnley. That's great. Great piece of skill from Tyrone Mings. Leeds fans, you do owe the man uh, a drink of, at the very least. Maybe not your lives, but <laughs> you, you owe him something. And, uh, but I think in the grand scheme of things, I'm sort of coming away from an hour villa match thinking, Ugh. I can't, I can't sum it up any better than that. Yeah, like it is an absolutely incredible block, and one of the most impressive things about it is that the ball's not on the ground or anything as well. You know, he's he's gambled or reacted. I don't know which. Either way, it's amazing to lift his foot off the ground, and because it's not a terrible finish from Big Horse by any stretch of imagination. Um, um, you're right though to ask where's the passion? Where was the passion for the rest of the game? Like it's incredible to see it after that, but where the fuck was it? 
It was an absolutely pathetic performance in the first half. I sometimes wonder if our players are colorblind, that, that every color that isn't claret is fucking green in their eyes. You'll see our <laughs> lads running over the top and they'll just hit the ball. The rest of the pitch is irrelevant. The opposition players on it, the markings, the end line, the fans. Like If the fans weren't irrelevant to them, they wouldn't be incessantly hitting the ball over the top <laughs> to the Burnley back three. James Tarkovsky doesn't play for Aston Villa, Callum. What the fuck are you playing at? The weird thing is we started quite brightly passing it through the lines as if the lines were made by a load of shite bags that play for Burnley because they were and it's fucking easy. But for some reason we stopped. Dougie started playing two-yard passes back to the lad who played it in front of him. But to be fair to Gerrard, he took his balls out of the freezer, popped them on the table and said, what do you think of them? I mean, to end the game with... Buendia, Coutinho, McGinn, Trorori, Callum Chambers. Like That's a lot of creativity, a lot of number 10s. And when it's all held together by an anchor made from a few rubber ducks sellotaped together, it's madness, chaotic, and it really doesn't work. I think we had a lot of chances, a lot of shots. It was a bit of crack. It was like a real, a real last day of school vibe from Villa. Nobody was taking it seriously. The teachers and the staff room pumping the smokes. They thrown on some shit DVD. And there's a couple of dorks like me trying to prep for the final exam. Like, this is our last chance to learn something. Stop dicking around. Stop widely shooting from the edge of the box. <laughs> yeah, like we, we should come up with a new category. Like who, who misses from the edge of the box more than anybody? I don't know. It's not Ronnie Rossenthal anyway, but all the nominations are basically just shots from 20 yards out. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The first goal, like... I mean, yeah, obviously Bundy is at fault here. It was the penalty um that was put away by Ashley Barnes like Buendia has just bundled into someone at the age of a box he, uh, before that before that he's just made a run across the line only behind the line the whole way McGinn passes him and he's offside like that that was annoying as it was and then Jesus ball comes in over the top it bounces to the left hand side of the box Cornet is trying to get it under control he doesn't really have it under control just yet and Buendia freaks out completely irrational thinking, completely rash action. Like being done is bad enough in that position. Like because all he has to do is just stand up. Like he doesn't have to commit. But then he tries to rectify being done with just this wild swipe. And then Emmy Martin is I'm not I'm not Emmy Martin is being sent the wrong way by Ashley Barnes. <laughs> Ashley Barnes what are you doing? What are you guessing about just just see where this boy's gonna fucking hit it. He, he doesn't know what scoring a goal's like. This is Glenn Whelan hitting a penalty, just wait to see. And then, <laughs> and then and then go with it. Don't go out of the way of Ashley Barnes. I think you have to second guess this man. So probably Bundy is mostly to blame. <laughs> but but Emmy Martin is not not too happy with him. Yeah, it's a dive from Cornet after the foul by Bundia. <laughs> but he definitely does dive. The the wild swipe doesn't move his leg, he jumps over the top of it and falls to the ground like a sack of spuds. <laughs> but like, Jesus Christ, Bundia, it's like he's come down with the fucking chicken pox. It's so rash. You're right, what is he doing? Why is he panicking? And he was at that shit all half. I mean, sure, immediately before that, you're, he ran in to somebody, slammed into his back yeah. at the edge of the box. In the corner before that, he was wrestling with Long. He, like, he was really dodgy territory there. Like, I don't care how good he is in the air in the opposition box. You can't teach sparky creative attackers how to defend it's like putting a pair of glasses on a pug it's a waste of time it's not going to work like you have to get him out of there let him be the outball but jesus thank fuck you mentioned that because you cannot be conceding goals to ashley barnes i mean you literally can't nobody else has 
Like, he nearly broke his fucking leg taking the penalty, for fuck's sake. That's where he's at. <laughs> well, we did get back into it in the second half. Buendia! <laughs> like, in fairness, that is how you attack the box. I mean, technically, just a great connection because he's hitting it with his near foot. It's coming in the same direction. Like He's hitting it in the same direction. The ball's going... Um, I mean, in the first half, genuinely, like I had made a note because he made a run like that as well. It was coming from the left-hand side. Look, Adina didn't play it. And I was annoyed because, mostly because of, of Wendy's aerial prowess. I was thinking, if Wendy's making his way into the box, you bloody put that ball under the box. But um, he's obviously got great control of his feet as well. And good ball in from like a good ball in from the right-hand side and just a lovely finish from Wendy. And if you're going to beat Nick Pope, one time today, it was going to be just with a shot like that catching him out. Yeah, there there was one in the first half as well that Dina did play that Buendia ran onto, and Buendia tried to prod it with the sole of his foot. And from eighteen yards out, I don't think that's ever really the best thing to do. <laughs> but the best thing about the move was Buendia demanding the ball and Dina saying, "Here you go." And again, McGinn did it. It was a delicious ball from McGinn. A great run from Emmy, and he was begging for it all game. <laughs> like well, it was four or five times he tried it. Was pretty slick, smooth, criminal defending from Burnley. Though the whole backline just parted. It's not. It's not like it was a big switch of play over them. Like all there was was an absolute chasm through the middle of their team. But they ran forty or fifty yards right through the middle of the pitch. It was ridiculously simple. Yeah, there was a a very important moment that the broadcasters picked up. Uh, Matt Cash looked like his right foot might have just been inside the lines as he was taking the throw in, and, and they were saying, you know, you know, M- Michael Jackson might have plenty to say about that afterwards. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like this Ma- Ma- that Matt Cash throwing didn't affect anything. Did it? Didn't affect Burnley. Didn't affect Villa. He threw the ball maybe a quarter of a second quicker than he, he would have if he had he got his right foot completely over the line but like this shows how we can get bogged down in the technicalities of it all like that it, it, it had no impact on the game whatsoever and if michael jackson was complaining about that after i mean like he's gonna to have to have a, a word of the man in the mirror isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> if, if, if to, to be honest when you're getting bogged down in those technicalities and you have just forgotten what the game is about, there's no way that they should be whinging about that. It's They've slowed it down to a minuscule level and his foot is dragging back over the line. It's almost there and it had absolutely no consequence in the goal. Yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> look at Dinya Handball. We spent ages looking at this and it was only when they actually speeded up to see what actually happened that they, you know, that they could see that it actually didn't affect anything and they could see the the real, the true trajectory of the ball, the true ricochet, you could see it actually hit off his armpit when he stopped slowing it down and freeze framing it. it was like, that's when they moved. Like that, Do that more often. Just look at the replay and see how this is affecting the game. And you would have moved on a lot quicker. Yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it went on so long. What is, you could see immediately the sigh of relief that I that I had could have probably been heard at Villa Park if they weren't so fucking interested in looking at this VAR. It's grand. It's just clearly not. A fucking handball. Let's move on. Yeah, and then we got another one. Final VAR for the end of the end of the game and our season at Villa Park, and it was the the red card for our old boy Matt Luton. I mean, I was watching this 
I know it was on Sky, but I had Andy Townsend on um, the stream I was watching. I mean, his quote was, what else could he have done there? Honestly, what else could he have done? Like, <laughs> quote on quote from Andy Townsend. I, like, first of all, I would suggest that he doesn't need to kick the ball 20 yards ahead of himself. Like, we're well, <laughs> we're, we're, we're well used to seeing that, I suppose, from Luton. And I think he would be well used to reacting to that now because... One thing he could have done is just not lounge into a ball he's not going to win then. Like, you give it up. You've kicked the ball away. You've literally kicked the ball away. You can't just fly around doing whatever you want then, trying to make up for it. What, what else could the player have done there? He could not run full speed, studs up towards a player who he knows is going to get there before him. Yeah. I mean, like, if, if Andy Townsend saw an envelope on the floor in his hallway with Do Not Bend written on it, he'd spend the rest of the morning trying to pick it up with his feet. <laughs> Yeah, well, we've got plenty more to talk about, and we'll start off in WhatsApp winches. All these. Right, get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Grealish FC. Get a fucking grip. <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak. We've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Do these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. <laughs> the first WhatsApp when actually got followed up very quickly with an amendment. It, it said, we need to ban Matt Cash from the box. And then I changed it to, we need to ban Matt Cash from the opposition half. <laughs> I mean, it's like that second. Like, the first one was annoying because you just know he's shooting. Like, once he's got that ball inside the corner of the box, he's shifting around to his right, he's shooting at the near post and he's blazing it high and wide. And the one, Douglas Weeze turns around the shot 25 yards out in the middle. He's right to do it. And he rolls it out to Matt Cash in the right wing. He has a shot. He has a shot. Like, the fans actually, like, the fans usually get that wrong when they called. And he stopped to stop shouting shit when it went out to Matt Cash that far out in the wing and that far out in the pitch. And he, he still had a shot anyway. And Buendia was fucking livid, and rightly so. It was ridiculous. Yeah, they they, they didn't stop soon enough, I don't think. I don't, I don't know if Matty heard it. I think he was just egged on by it. It was a joke, Matty. They don't want you shooting from 40 yards out on the wing. They shouted it for Dougie two seconds ago. That's your clue. Like, no matter how inflated a sense of self you have you don't have any respect for Douglas Louise come on mate you know they're joking they know they're taking the piss whenever they're asking for Douglas Louise to bend one into the top corner uh, next WhatsApp winch oh look here's Ashley Barnes elbowing people <laughs> uh, yeah I mean the commentators were being very, very fucking kind to him, is, a, is the politest way I can think of putting it. I'm sure I'll put it harsher now. And your arms move up and down if you're jumping into the air. Your arms move backwards when you're elbowing someone in the face or when you're pulling <laughs> someone in to your love and embrace. Ashley Barnes wasn't pulling anyone into his love and embrace. He's unlovable. 
He's an absolute scumbag. <laughs> and, and even if you don't think there's much force in it, he's moved his arm back at head height. There's already contact between the two players. He knows where Mings is. He's a fucking scumbag. Yeah. But what all it seemed to do was knock a bit of sense into Tyrone, who was fairly imperious for the rest of the game. <laughs> because on that lady, Conan, that's not how I was expecting that to pan out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've seen him just get completely preoccupied by a nothing striker for the rest of the match. I forget all his defensive duties, but uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, he certainly didn't let that happen. Um, the next WhatsApp wing, <laughs> I don't know if this is a, a tactical insight or not, but people get so excited about a man being free, even though he can't go anywhere. So, you know, I'm having to go at the Villa Park crowd again. <laughs> but there was a, a moment where Villa were sort of helter-skelter through the middle. Burnley were scrambling. They were trying to get themselves back in the position. Villa had these tight passes going through the middle, and they, they just moved it out to the right to match Cash. He couldn't go anywhere from the position he was in. He was completely isolated. And the cheers because you see a player in, in space. And it's like, right, well, you know, now, now the move's over, really. Burnley are happy with that. We had them... We had them sort of on the ropes and we just throwing it out to Matt Cash because it makes us a bit more comfortable, but it slowed the game down, really. And I'm not picking on Matt Cash in this instance. He was on his own. He was in his own half, um, but it slowed the game down and that's pretty much how the, the game went, really. Yeah, it was a really, really tough watch, you're right, <laughs> except for about five or six moments of nice bit of play from Villa. But I don't think Matt Cash went at Taylor enough. Cash has Taylor for pace and he yeah. was isolated with him a few times. And I just don't think he, he exploited that anywhere near enough. A couple of times the ball came to Matt Cash and he just turned back inside. He's like, knock it around him. Try try it once. Try, yeah. You know, try it twice. Try it again then after that, because it will fucking work as well. <laughs> Do Villa players understand when you're cutting a ball back, there's supposed to be someone there to cut it back? To? <laughs> Oh, God, you've changed your chin from just complaining about them lashing across the six-yard box. <laughs> there was one at the very end where Douglas Louise cuts it back. And Douglas Louise isn't looking. Yeah. He gets on to the ball, and he just he just pulls it. He doesn't even pull it back to us, the thing. He just kind of hits it straight, and it gets cut out at the near post, obviously. The player is just standing there waiting for him to do something idiotic, cause, as if he's watched Aston Villa play before. But it's, it's unbelievably bad because he doesn't look. And that's the last thing I want from a professional footballer. That's what they're supposed to have. They're supposed to be calmer. They're supposed to have better understanding of the game. That's where they are way better than the rest of us shit bags. <laughs> have a look, Dougie. Yeah, like Villa do it automatically as if, as if they're being trained to do it. But, you know, Man City do it automatically because they have like hordes of people arriving late every time. Like Man City do do it without looking because they know there's three or four of them. They're like Man City literally queue up for the whole match, so there's always going to be somebody there to cut it back to. Like if if you're a Man City player and you get to the byline, you know there's nine outfielders just there behind you, so just roll back and it'll go to one of them. Villa <laughs> does like when there's only yeah, like I, I think the Man City players do look as well because they, they obviously just look quicker. Yeah, the reason didn't even lift his head. Like it was it was pathetic. Yeah. The last WhatsApp one you have is why does Tyrone Mings think whistling is a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> Wolf whistling to his teammates, does he think that's what's going to differentiate him from the 40,000 people whistling in the stadium? Like, you know, he, sh- he shouts and he goes, shh. 
like, well, hang on a second. That's not a good idea. That they're, like, <laughs> they're not going to know that's you, are they? Like, we're not penguins there. Penguins. <laughs> not the penguins wolf whistle i should clarify but they do recognize each other from the sound of their voices don't they right uh, maybe maybe he's just worried maybe he should use his voice scent and they'll recognize the sound of his voice <laughs> maybe he's actually just worried about because whenever you speak generally your mouth has to open and whenever you whistle you can keep most of your mouth closed and maybe do it through your teeth and he's just worried about dropping his tune <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got to the bottom of it uh we got awards coming up after this they both got incredible horses the face on some of those lads like mcneil Wood, like Wood looks like a big, <laughs> a big GA midfielder, doesn't he? Again, we'll use his arse in every scenario. He actually played a blind arse early on in the first half. Does anyone sweat more than Ross Barkley? <laughs> It actually looked like he was going for showers regularly during the game. <laughs> what the fuck? It's wrong with you. John Walters' arch has never let me down, though. John McGinn's has let me down several occasions this season. <laughs> he was drenched. Like, absolutely soaking. We don't care about no government Elgazi is too prone to bad runs of form. He had a bit of crack in December and he was due a bad run. He's too patchy. He's too streaky. And that performance was the equivalent of a streak of shit in the toilets of a fucking bus station. Into somebody else's bosom. Bosom of possession, I mean. You know, like a, a bosom of possession, I mean. The Paul Merson, oh, that is just filthy award. <laughs> Douglas Louise. Overhead clearance. He thought that was good enough. Emmy Buendia's coming to take it down from the sky on his chest, on his knee, back to goal, swivels around, nicks it to one side of the defender as he goes to the other, and he's just pulled back. But that was a that was a delicious form of defending. A bit weird from Douglas Louise just to just the overhead kick it, but he connected with it brilliantly and sure he put it in the direction of the right man. And you know, the right man who could get up and get it in the clouds and then bring it under just gorgeous control on the ground. Yeah, at the time though, I was annoyed that he completed the overhead kick because he had plenty of time and plenty yeah. of space. But now as you've been talking about it, I'm just realising, sure, what would he have done? Take it down and rolled it to somebody else so they could kick it up into the fucking cloud. <laughs> Get it out there, Dougie. You're doing the right thing for once. <laughs> All right, well, we try and get through this Rosenthal award. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> we can just discount some as we go. I don't know. Like they're all sort of pretty much the same effort. Um, 
John McGinn starts it all off with that, that lovely sort of flight of the balls. It's a short corner, it works it out the edge of the box. He whips it round. It's it's, it's 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 great. It just looks like a great strike. You know, if there's no keeper there, it's going to look really nice. He's going to nestle <laughs> in the top corner, but you're never going to score it really. And uh, just another McGinn one. I can pick up on these two you now. Uh, Ramsey and swinging cross from the left hand side, and McGinn catches the the half volley perfectly in terms of power, but uh, that's too close to the keeper. It's, Jesus, they were they were tweeting it out on Sky Sports. Like it's a good save, but it's it's you know it's too close to him. Like it's never going to go in really. Um, if he gets just a little bit more of a pull there, like that's ripping the net. He's, he's hit it. I don't want to say he's hit it too well, but he's, he's struck it well. Like I say, in terms of power. Yeah, like the. The first one, the fucking fans were off their seat as if it was ever any threat of lacking in. And the guy in the back post would have cleared it as well. You're right, it's like one of those ones when you're walking on to the pitch before the game started and you just try to float it into the top corner. It's never going to be the top-class mm-hmm. goalkeeper. Not a fucking hope. The second one, I can't believe he's fucking hit it because he fucks up the pass to Watkins and then he just smashes it. But the pass is still on. Yeah. I think he should give it to him. It's unbelievable. He's never going to resist spanking a volley like that at the edge of the box. But I think he has to try and poke that through to Watkins again. Yeah. Uh, there was another short corner. Austin McPhee was earning his money tonight. Um, Callum Chambers left foot. Just doesn't connect with it right. And then we saw a bit of Alex McLeish ball come back. <laughs> um, big high one into Watkins' crown. And then he just heads it back up in the air up to Callum Chambers. who heads it back up in the air back to Watkins. And then somewhere along the way, our boy Nathan Collins just comes out and trips over himself. And then... Uh, <laughs> Watkins hits a half volley, hits it straight at the keeper, and it's a corner. Yeah, and if Chambers has the sweetest right foot in the league. He's also got the most sour left foot in the league. It was a <laughs> dreadful effort. Watkins, yet another one of the spanks added to the list, and you're not finished yet. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, Chambers. Like, that, that cross for the Traore header, like, I haven't seen a cross like that, honestly. Like, I know we talk... And we're sort of jesting, sort of jesting, really, when we're talking about Callum Chambers being a number 10, but just like a little stab cross. It was weird, like no no backlift in his leg, just stabs it, but somehow still gets around it. And it's just right, like it goes around all the defenders right there for Terori. That's an amazing save. Like that save from Nick Pope is absolutely glorious. Yeah, it's some drop. It's unbelievable. Um, it's like we got our key man on the ball, Chambers pulling the strings, and Trory, the target man in the <laughs> box. To be fair to Trory, like he, there's not much more he can do. He got the ball down really well yeah. with his head. Like he could get it closer to the corner, but you're not going to, like, that just goes in nearly every other fucking time you do it. Yeah. And yeah, like people might be sure if we're being sarcastic about Chambers, but that's just because of the dull, monotone voice. But just to clear it up, I do find Callum Chambers is a brilliant number 10. Yeah, yeah. I want to see it. I want to see it. Um, Coutinho was wasn't on long, and gives a lovely ball over the top to John McGinn's run. Amazing flick out first time, and then like this is what Danny Ings is on the pitch for, and uh, pulls it wide. <laughs> oh, that's what he does. Uh, it actually looked like a delicious spank initially, but it actually just. He kicks it into the ground. Into the ground it's, yeah. it's not a good connection at all. Initially, I thought like, oh, this 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 will be a difficult one to analyze because like it is a really sweet connection that he's just missed. Then I thought, oh, hang on, he's missed again. So there you go. There's there's your in there. But he also just fucking kicked the ball into the ground. Like, what the fuck is he playing at? Hit the ball properly. Yeah. How many times have I said that? Hit the ball properly <laughs> after a Danny Ings conversation. 
Yeah, well, he wasn't the only one because Matt Cash then, like, I look at Dean across, drops to Matt Cash, and it's just, would you just get over the ball? Like, Matt Cash, <laughs> he, he, actually, he actually is over the ball, but his foot isn't. It's weird. <laughs> like, his, his whole body is, and he still somehow scoops it up in the air for Nick Pope just to bat away. Like, I just knock one in on a month of Sundays. And, uh, like, you know, you could add in any number of these chances, just dropping in the box or dropping outside of the box and just hitting tame shots. Yeah, the, the Matty Cash one, he does really well to take the touch and get the shot away, but you're right, there's nothing on it. It's never going to beat Nick Pope from there. Absolutely no hope. And yeah, like there's a few other spanks. I think Watkins had one, Trorori had a spank whenever he first came on. Really sweet connection. Unfortunately for Trorori, it looks like he's trying to fade across. It does, sorry, it doesn't look like he's trying to fade across the ball, which is what he needs to do. He looks like he did exactly what he wanted to do, which was just hit the ball true and straight. But he just never adjusted his body to do that. And he just hit it straight yeah. off the horns. Delighted with oh. himself. <laughs> we, we talked about this before. This man is playing his own version of football. Like, for him, that was enjoyable. He kicked that ball that way. And that's all that matters. Yeah, I'm sure it felt fucking delightful coming off his foot like that. But come on, we're playing soccer here. <laughs> uh, winner. Oh, maybe Callum Chambers, probably. Yeah, like it, it sits up so nicely. That yeah, I think yeah, like it's it's such a bad miss as well. Like none, none of the chances are particularly there's no huge chances apart from the Bertrand Drury one, but that's a brilliant save. But Callum Chambers wins of the fifteen other shots that we had just because it's the worst connection and it's nowhere near gonna Yeah. The Peter Enkelman, what the fuck award? Um Dwight McNeil had a shot. <laughs> Dwight McNeil had a shot in the 20th minute, right? And uh, you could see in the camera, Jacob Ramsey is flying across the line to block it. But just in front of him, Matt Cash is flying across the six-yard box to block it, and he did. And just in front of the two of them, Douglas Louise was ducking out of the way to not block it. <laughs> and, and just carved that path for Dwight McNeil's shot. Thankfully, Matt Cash got in the way. Yeah, he just trusted them. He knew you had the two lads and Bing Emmy behind him. Like Douglas Louise isn't gonna isn't gonna get in the way of that. That would affect his that would affect his performance if he got smacked in the head with a ball like that. Then he would start making bad decisions. He would start being erratic on the ball. He would start doing silly things like drag backs whenever he's stuck in the corner with Luca Dina. And he would start playing the ball two meters back to the player he was passing it to. You you don't want him to do anything crazy like that, Connor. So it's a good thing he ducked out of the way. <laughs> I'm going to combine the next nomination with um, the ULEC Glen Whelan taking 90th minute penalty award. It's, uh, it was Bertrand Chirori. So, like, <laughs> I know we, we <laughs> this is the problem, right, with Gerard listening to this podcast because <laughs> you know, he needs to make his own decisions too. So, like, I, I know we wanted the, the birthday burger, but we, we don't want food poisoning either. Like, you know, we, we, like, Gerard sees him in training, so he sees how the burger is being cooked. You know, so he doesn't, he doesn't need to listen to us if we're crying away. Like, just make the decision. Even if we're whinging at you, make the decision for our own good. Like, you know, just, just take it. That's what a that's what a parent does. Like, you're in charge of this operation. Just take it on the chin if you hear us whinging in the background. You're doing what's best for all of us. And, I mean, Trory comes on and his first, <laughs> his first involvement. Like, we got the full array of Bertie T tonight. Like, he takes a 20-meter touch in a 5-meter bit of space. Loses <laughs> the ball, obviously. Uh and then the the Peter Enkelman nomination is just that classic cross field pass from him that gets that gets cut out in the center circle. Like it never never makes it across the field, no matter how many times he tries it. And uh, that half volley he mentioned that he just <laughs> just drilled wide. 
And uh, that very last corner, it wasn't a great corner from Douglas Louise, but uh, Bertrand Shorey was just there to see out the draw and headed away for Burnley. <laughs> yeah, like I'm going vegetarian. Fuck this. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not worth it anymore. Like People say nothing's impossible, but Shorey managed to do nothing tonight fairly fucking easily. The, yeah. the one that where he, the ball got caught out, like, Christ almighty. The worst thing about that is there's absolutely nobody. Sorry, the second worst thing about that is that there's absolutely nobody in the vicinity of where he's played the ball. The worst thing about it is he's gone spinning in around the pack as if there was. <laughs> he couldn't be more excited about this. He's thinking he's getting on the end of a 30-yard one-two here. He's just running nowhere and takes him so long to realise what he's done as well. And once he realises, he does fucking nothing about it. He just yeah. kind of ambles back into position, waiting for the next time he receives the ball to pass it to the Burnley player. Like that's the sort of like there were two like you were talking about nobody being there, nobody being on. There were two Burnley players in there, like a <laughs> double chance that it was not making it to wherever it was supposed to go. And even if he scores that that chance tonight, and when anyway he did do well with the header from from Chambers's cross, but that's the sort of thing there that means that he's definitely not getting any game time against Man City. You know, like it's right in front of the manager as well. You could see yeah. Gerard just been like, oh, for f- a better team, you're punished there. You've just given the ball away in the halfway line and completely wide open. They've got two men coming running onto it, and like that is the thing that's just unforgivable for a manager. Like you're you're not you're not playing three days later against the best team in the league. The Vyman meter going up. Tyrone Mings. Oh yeah, without, without a fucking shadow of a doubt, Tyrone Mings was absolutely brilliant. Whenever, like he took that elbow like an absolute champ, and <laughs> it was incredible for the rest of the game. And the block, apart from his passing, obviously the block was absolutely ridiculous. We talked about it at the top show. That's how good it was. Brilliant yeah. performance. Actually, do you know what? I want to just circle back first before we move off the you like them. We didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. We'll come back to the Vyman meter. I had one thing that I wanted to talk about and I'm not having a go at him. Is Chuck Wemmicka a number 10? <laughs> I don't think he is. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think he's comfortable with his back to go that far up the pitch. No, to be fair to him, he stuck at the position. He did what a number 10 was supposed to do. He listened to the manager. He didn't go wandering in to pick up handy ball off Callum Chambers and then yeah. roll it to Matt Cash and get it back off him. Um, he actually stood up next to Watkins for as much as possible, waiting to take the ball off the midfield. Give him his credit for that. But I don't think he's I don't think he's got the thrust for a number 10. I, yeah. I think he wants to play midfield. And, and I was a bit surprised. I want to see him move a lot more with the ball whenever he's got it. So I want to see him have a bit more energy. Maybe he's just not that type of player, but in games like that, this is the really frustrating thing about playing teams like Burnley and the teams like Aston Villa just don't get. They just don't go for it every time you have the ball. Just start yeah. passing the ball through them. Just keep going. There's no risk. There's no risk. Yeah. If they win the ball back, they're bumping the ball towards Ashley Barnes. She's up against Tyrone Mings. It's grand. Don't fucking worry about it. He's not going to score. He nearly broke his own leg, taking a penalty. Pass the ball through their midfield. It's grand. And I just want to see Chuck Wemmicka do that a lot more as well. He seemed to be taking a lot of safe options whenever he did get on the ball. Pass the ball to each other and pass it quickly. Just needed a lot more energy from Chuck Wemmicka today. Yeah, like obviously, he's a really nice player. He's really young. 
I mean, yeah, he's 18 as well. Like, yeah, I should caveat everything I just said there. No, that's not everybody, <laughs> no, everybody knows that as well. But, like, he did look more exciting, more energetic when he was coming on a midfielder. And I do think it sits him better. I, think, yeah. I do think he's got a nice big stride. I think he, he can show a bit of energy. He gives and goes. He Sort of a touch of Ramsey's there, like, you know, where he could just eat up a lot of space very quickly with the ball and and just just seeing everything facing the goals like it's just a different position like i, I wouldn't want to see ramsey particularly in number 10 either like it's a it's a, it's a different role like it's so cluttered especially against burnley and yeah i almost felt sorry for him like it did it give the ball away twice at the edge of the box and they broke and again it was burnley so <laughs> what you're saying is buying on there's no risk like you're giving the ball away to burnley like cash and dinya were just pickpocketing them then every time they tried to break back down so it was it was grand but um yeah, it's yeah. an interesting one. I, I, I just wonder, is his future a bit deeper? Yeah, no, and to, to be fair as well, playing against Burnley, it's so congested in there as well with the free centre-halves and then the flat four across the midfield as well. Like It's it's, un, it's unbelievably difficult to to get space in there and to pass it off, and you have to be a different type of player to what Carney is. Yeah, uh, going up McGinn maybe. Any, anybody else in particular that you want to see move up or down? No, not really. I mean, the game was the game was fairly flat. Nobody really shone. The Tyrone Mings is the only player that I thought was in any way good. Good to see Jacob Ramsey get a lot more minutes under his belt. So why am I saying that? As if the season isn't over in fucking three days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, do you know what? Like, you know, because we are we, we do this game. We do an award every week, every fucking two days. It seems to be now in Villa plan, but <laughs> like. <laughs> I do wonder now will there just be a bit more pressure from this moment on now on Gerard to to start getting things right now. We'll probably invest a bit in the summer. Like we're probably going to finish fourteenth now. Like you know, we said it didn't matter between ninth and fourteenth, but I did say I would much rather finish higher up than fourteenth and you know, we're probably going to end up behind Crystal Palace, behind Newcastle, behind Brentford, behind Brighton. It's not nice. It's not nice, not nice to finish out the season, yeah, with those two draws. A couple a couple of real few bad performances along the way as well um look like we were getting it right there for a spell uh, especially the last four or five games but i think the the reality is in the bigger picture it's two wins and 10 matches so um yeah i think from the start of next season though we'll just want to start seeing things consistently build in one direction like we are and it is that consistency that's really needed as well like that that, that that's you know, we have to have a level when we're playing those teams like Burnley, yeah, and, and we want to come on away when we don't win those matches, which we won't sometimes, but we want to just be able to say that was just one of those games, we keep playing that way, that's fine. But like, too often we've been playing this way against these teams, and it's really like, you could go either way, and like, you wouldn't be surprised if it did, and you wouldn't begrudge Burnley if they won, like, that's not great, is it? No, it's it's absolutely not, and I I think it's I think it's surprising that it's taken Steven Gerrard so long to try to implement a style of football that he wants to play, and, and unless this like I'd be very surprised if this is the way he wants Aston Villa to play because this is the way that Dean Smith wanted Aston Villa to play, and yeah. there's no way that a manager who started off wanting to play two number tens wants to play this sort of turgid football mixed with a few moments of magic in the game. There's that's just that couldn't be true. And it's not a great sign that it's taken him so long. Sorry, I'm, I'm saying as if it's finished. It's not a great sign that he still hasn't yeah. gotten the team playing the way he wants them to play. And there has been no improvement since last season. 
as far as I can see so far. It's going to yeah. take a big, big Well, I suppose and- to that end, we can go into questions we can't answer, but probably will. We'll keep it shorter uh, this week because obviously we've got another podcast coming on Sunday. End of season podcast, so get in your suggestions if you do uh, want us to talk about anything in particular. If you have any uh, special awards that you think we should be handing out for the end of the season. But um, <laughs> I think I already know the answer, but can Villa get a result against Man City on Sunday? <laughs> this is what I was just about to say as well. I mean, you you just completely discounted the idea that that Villa could win on Sunday because you're you're assuming there that Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Brentford, and Brighton will all will all win as well. Or because whenever Villa win, they can go above all of those teams, assuming none of them win. So I don't know why you're panicking. There's there's no way that uh. There's no way that Wolves are going to win against Liverpool. Like the last time Wolves won was seven games ago, and that was against Aston Villa, so it doesn't really count. Like you have to go back to February for the last meaningful result they had. So there's no way that Liverpool won't win on Sunday. I suppose the most interesting thing from a Liverpool, from the Liverpool game, will be that we'll find out what Klopp really thinks about Gerrard. I mean, does he believe that Gerrard can get the job done and not slip up? Because I don't think. That he does, if you look at the team that Klopp sent out on Tuesday, that was fucking risky, wasn't it? <laughs> Asking Milner to to throw the blanket from his lap and put the tea down, like, the, don't worry, I have two young fellas here to help you out. So the chair, like Minamino Gomez, fucking Origi came off the bench. I mean, he either really trusts these lads or he doesn't trust Stephen Gerrard to get the job done on something. Just thought, yeah. Just thought, like we haven't, we haven't done enough. He's, he's tallied up, man, to his points already. Like we can't hit ninety three <laughs> points. And yeah, I assume he has, he has Trent down the down the beach, running through meter deep water to build up a speed to handle Vinicius. Because I, I can't imagine Klopp is planning on playing a false right back like Pep stroke of genius in the first leg. And I, I assume he has Van Dyke flat out on the the weighted box jumps, just in. <laughs> case five foot eight Vinicius out jumps him like Diaz did <laughs> but but surely surely he'll play all the boys on Sunday like surely he trusts Gerard. and I know I know we need to focus on ourselves and try to finish as high up the six team English pointless league as possible to be crowned the most important irrelevant team but Conan how good would it be to hear that deafening silence at five to six on Sunday in the Etihad and know that this time there's actually a reason for it? <laughs> and to know that that reason is Villa, like what a flick of cream atop the cherry on top of the cake that would be. <laughs> to see to see Watkins ragdoll and Fernandinho to watch JJ burst into the space vacated by... vacated by Cancelo as he hits yet another shot over the bar in search of his second... <laughs> goal of the season to the sound of Martin Tyler telling us all for some reason how well he strikes the ball and Gary Neville touching himself as he remembers whenever he had him at Valencia and the gentle shudder from Kinsella as he remembers he remembers it only lasted for four months sigh of relief but like the other exciting thing is that we don't know how Pep will react if we do win is it going to be a big sarcastic handshake and well done is he going to be sitting on his haunches as his hands slip over his head probably just jump up and attack the officials but he'll almost certainly be standing with a winner's medal around his neck pretending to be balling crying at how irreplaceable Fernandinho is while he's just <laughs> thinking about how he's going to convert Harry Kane into a defensive midfielder uh, 
Yeah, found in the new Sterling Gundo and all these people, he might just slip off his tongue by mistake. You know, he's trying to get, <laughs> trying to get rid of the last few years. Um, yeah, you're still right. The people outside the Etihad won't be able to know what's going on. You know, we can only tell when there's a goal happening, or they don't know who's winning the league and who's not. But uh, yeah, that it's nice to nice to have a say. Anyway, I just don't know how much of a say we'll get. I I do look at that patched up. Man City backline and think, Jesus, Ollie Watkins could have a field day there. And uh, yeah, I know we're only going to have nineteen percent of the ball or whatever. But um, yeah, like you know, you can do some of nineteen percent of the ball against those boys. And uh, yeah, if he gets a goal or two, then you know, we, if he gets in once or twice, you know, we could we could actually uh, hold him to a draw or something and see what see what happens. Ah, it would just be nice to have one final um punches were going down because the, the really annoying thing about that result there against Burnley is that uh, if you just beat Burnley at home you're sitting 11th, 11th now I'm saying Villa are almost certainly going to finish 14th they would be sitting 11th right now uh, ahead of all those teams one point off Brighton um, and that point against Man City then would have just taken them above Brighton when they surely don't finish as job. but um, yeah uh, I don't know I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have looked at the league table because it's just annoyed me now and that's pretty much it. That's all we've got time for. Um, thanks a million for joining us. As always, get in touch. Always uh, great to hear from you. Really appreciate everybody sharing on the podcast and uh, giving us your thoughts. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on Sunday for the the not so big one. We'll <laughs> see you on Sunday to end this season. Uh, the way we started it. The way we started last season, actually, saying we're going to finish between 9th and 14th. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> here we are again, <laughs> between 9th and 14th. Uh, yeah, anyway, 76 matches later and nothing's changed. <laughs> but, but all the best, anyway, and thanks a million for listening. See you later. That wind is calling my name And I won't wait Or I'll never get on 